Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Still following the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, but uh, as a Friday is here, we get to answer your questions about the Canucks, other sports, other teams, or life in general. So get the questions in during the day. At Satyar Shah is where you can find the um, post to reply to on Twitter. No longer the blue check marks. We have to live without blue check marks now, Sat. Yeah, yeah. So um, I see that. I see you're not one of the 28 people that signed up for Twitter Blue today. <laughs> well, I, did you maybe, see that? I don't know. Who, I don't know how they got the numbers, but somebody was like, somebody from MSNBC or something was like, "Yeah, we figured it out. 28 people signed up for Twitter Blue today in the entire world. 28. That can't be right. That's what they." Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I believe everything I see on Twitter. So, <laughs> I just, I mean, there's gonna be more marks in the world than that. Sad doesn't have faith in humanity. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hey, listen, like, I, 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 honestly, in terms of you know paying for Twitter blue or not, I mean, do you do you? Um, there are benefits to it, right? You get a bigger reach and all that stuff. And if you you're get to edit at it, your tweets. Yeah, I mean, there are benefits to it, and depending on, you know, how much you prioritize your social media for your work and, you know, your fulfillments and what you need to do, it is what it is. I don't feel the need to get Twitter blue at the moment, personally, yeah. but, I mean, I don't know, maybe that'll change. I don't know. Like, I don't know where the world's going. It seems like we got to pay for everything now. <laughs> maybe this is just the way it goes. Like, everything's becoming transactional. Like, yes. you can't use anything without some sort of payment for it, so. Literally everything is a subscription. Yes. Um, like but, even free, like free apps, right? Like they're like, oh, this is good, it's free or whatever. But it's like if you want the real experience, yes, here's a subscription for it, right? Uh, always a subscription fee. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, we'll bring in producer Ben uh, for us uh, to <laughs> shout the mailbag questions. What's happening, Ben? Number one from Ernest: What do you think Alvin was pitching to Hirose and McWard to get them to sign with the team? It seems like they beat out many other teams for them. Have you seen this blue line in the opportunities? <laughs> uh, it's like, take a look behind uh, door number two there, Akito. Here's a yeah. spot in the top four. <laughs> All he needed to do, honestly, was like, whatever game the Canucks are playing that night, just show him the game sheet. Here's our blue line. No wonder Akito Hirose is so confident. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's not even you know to crap. I mean, you see how many guys were hurt and how much work they need and how many opp- like guys who are you know Pullman, OEL, long term. We'll see Myers. It's only a matter of time before he's gone. There's going to be a lot of opportunities here, and even at the guys in the minors, it's not like there's this murderer's row of defensemen. Albeit the steps that you know Breezebois took and what Landon's brought has all been positive but if you look at it as a long-term projection and you know can I be on the top four or top six in Vancouver there wasn't a ton a ton of available there for you well that the opportunity is big right players want to see their pathway to the show but there are other cells that you have to make how are you going to develop that player how are you going to help them get on clearly the Canucks have done a better job of articulating that to players that are looking for teams as free agents 
And I think the, the like with Akito, like they're, they're kind of two different ones because Akito Hirose is an older player and was going to sign with an NHL team this year, so maybe there was more competition. But the interesting thing with Cole McWard, as you pointed out, Sat, was you know, this was a guy that didn't have to leave the college game right now. He could have stayed in college, developed more there, and maybe had, uh, you know, a, a better pick of where he wanted to go. It was just, it was surprising given that he wasn't a senior getting ready to leave college. They had to convince him that this was the right move for his career. Well, that and also, um, I think you, you kind of nailed it there. This was, this was the right move for your career because speaking to some scouts and asking about him when he signed it was number one it was a surprise he's a talented player but there was this consensus that he needs a bit more time he, that he would benefit greatly from one more year at least in playing in the ncaa and that teams looked at it and said it's probably not realistic to try here because he probably needs some more time but in a year's in a year's time or so i mean this is the guy we're going to go after and what vancouver was able to do was convince him that a, a year spent with the canucks organization perhaps most likely in abbotsford is more beneficial for your career and your path than one more year in, in the ncaa i think that's how they convinced him uh all right next question good answer in-depth answer cool. uh from Thank jeff fro about besser rescinding his trade request how much do you guys think that is about what the team is doing with the head coach and the signing of all these players and success maybe being right around the corner. Um, it, it's as, as Brock mentioned in the piece with iMac, there is a certain level of he needed to start to enjoy playing the game again. And I think that sort of happened when Rick Tockett got here and the team started winning a little bit more and all those different types of things. But I'm hesitant to put it all on just the coach because didn't that happen with Bruce Boudreaux last year? Yeah. Right? So it can't just be one guy that's bringing the vibes, you know? And, oh, like, yeah, we got a new situation here and we're happy with it. Like, that can't be – you can't do this every single year. You know, it's something's got to change where there needs to be um, – at some point the onus has got to be on you you know, to figure out how you are going to get the best out of yourself, no matter your surrounding situations. And I think that's a that's sort of a challenge that a lot of Canucks are going to have to learn this offseason and going into next year. Yeah, and I mean, and I think that's the biggest takeaway I have. It's, hey, you rescind the trade offer, but I think of the trade request, but I think a lot of that really just comes down to there's just not a real poss realistic possibility elsewhere. And you can't really blame the coaches anymore, I don't think. I think you can talk about the coaches as far as expectation standards and accountability during the season. But the offseason, your preparation, your desire, your work ethic, that's that's you, that's you the individual. That's, that, that doesn't come down to the coach. It doesn't. And, you know, I think, um, I think it was Andy Strickland today. He quote tweeted IMAX piece and mentioned how Barube sort of, uh, you know, brought joy back into the game for Sammy Blay and, and Jakob Vrana and even Kasperi Kapanen to a certain extent. Now, that's why the change of scenery thing is is always sort of a thing in pro sports, not just hockey, of course. But these things that can change the feel and the way things are going on around the team certainly do have an effect on players. And the question is, how much for the Canucks is going to stick with what Rick Tockett has brought? And there does seem to be, 
We talked about this yesterday on the show. For me, I know not for everyone, for me, there is more of a plan in place of how they want to go about doing things and how they intend to get better as a team, as an organization. And we sort of heard that from a lot of the players at the end of season avails. But it's, again, for a lot of fans, it has to be, I need you to show me before I really believe this. And for good reason, because this team has done this for a couple of years running now. I'm going to combine two questions here from Nikki and Robert. All right. Okay. Will the Canucks win a cup in the next five years is Ooh. A. B is will Seattle win a cup before Vancouver? Ooh. So and you can I'll say whether you think Seattle might win a cup in five years as well. Uh, so I so I don't – okay, I will say this. Seattle will not win a cup before Vancouver. Uh, okay. I. How many teams have come into the league and won a cup before Vancouver? <laughs> a, a, a Basically couple. all of them. Yes. Uh, but I will say that because I, I, I do think even though Seattle's ahead of Vancouver this year, I think I like a lot of what Vancouver has still. And we'll see how it all kind of unfolds here. Yeah. It's hard to, I mean, how can you confidently say the Canucks will win a cup in five years? I don't think you can say that. I can't say that confidently. So I would I would have to say no on a yes or no answer on that, but I will take them ahead of Seattle. What's your percent chance? I'm. This is the Ben question. Oh, God. The percent chance the Canucks win a cup in the next five years. You want me to put a percentage on it? It's, too, it's easy to say yes or no for sure. I think the right answer is no. It's less than 10%. Really? You know, I mean, you know what? It's it's hard time. It's you know what? Like that's a question that's better asked if the Canucks have an has a, have a successful off season. Yeah. Like if we come into next year and they've made some more moves and Hironik's good, I think that's a better question. Not to you know we we answered it, but I think that's a better question asked about six months from now. We'll kick the ball down the road to October. <laughs> so uh, we gave an answer. We we reserve the right to amend said answer in six months. We're going to get back to Nikki in six months. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, and this is not going to be a popular answer, I like Vancouver's team more than uh, Seattle's projections right now because what do, we, what do we talk about all the time with the Canucks? They've got more star players than the Seattle Kraken. But um, sort of what I alluded to before, there's a lot of teams that have come into the league and won cups before the Vancouver Canucks. So chances are Seattle, yes, will win a cup before Vancouver. Sandeep texts in or replies to Sat's tweet with, when will the Canucks get the same caliber of players from the 93-94 season? And I would like to say, do you think we have those players in Vancouver? Whew. Oh. That 93-94 roster. Is it fair to say they punched above their weight on that playoff run? They did, but also like when they made that deal at the deadline, like that team was pretty stacked. Like once it once it came together, they had a bit of everything, right? I mean, so ninety three, ninety four, you get Jeff Brown, who was he was incredible on that playoff run. This is a guy who who was putting up big points before that. I think all of a sudden your blue line goes from you know um, a pretty decent one to now you have Jeff Brown, you have Yurke Lume, um, you have Dave Babbage. Uh, Dana Merzen, too, who, you know, didn't play a ton, but you had guys like him and um, and even Gerald Diddick, who played really physical and, and really strong defensively for that team in the postseason that year. It kind of put that together. And then up front, like, you had Jeff Cortnall, uh, you have Russ, Russ Cortnall. I think once they made that trade to get a couple of pieces uh, on that Nedved thing, that team, I think, put itself in the discussion not as a truly elite team, um, you know, like we say, Colorado and those type of teams, but maybe that 
tier right below them. So I do think once the team kind of made that trade and they kind of came together, it was a better team than how they performed in the, in the regular season. They had a more complete team, for sure. Yes. And um, you know, they had the ultimate star talent with Pavel Bure on that roster. It was almost like uh, that trade was almost like the Alomar deal for the Blue Jays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it just like it, everything came into place as soon as they got Alomar and Joe Carter into the roster. Um, it's kind of what it felt like with that 93-94 Canucks squad. They were so, so good. And, I mean, what are the elements that they had that this Canucks team don't have? Probably a deeper defense core. Um, and and that's, that's, that's very difficult to build. It's essentially what this team is trying to figure out, how to make their D more efficient with the salary cap and also make it stronger from top to bottom because they just rely so much on Quinn Hughes as currently constructed. That's ultimately, like, this team, they do have the hardest pieces to find. We talk about that all the time. The hardest pieces to find are Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher Demko, right? You have an elite goalie, an elite defenseman, an elite centerman. It's just everything else that has been so lacking on this roster otherwise. And the 93-94 roster gives you a little bit of a sort of tip as to what they need. They need a little bit more depth around the edges. They need a lot more secondary scoring. And they could use a lot more help and role players on defense and in their forward group. Going back to the current roster of the Vancouver Canucks. Yes. Would you rather have on opening night... Hoaglander or Pod Colson? And why does Pod Colson never get brought up as a potential trade asset? That's an interesting one. Pod Colson as a 10th overall pick in theory would have more trade value. But Hoaglander has showed more at the NHL level to this point in their careers. Uh, I think... So... I do think that um, I think Hope Hope Colson fits in better in terms of even if he doesn't play an offensive role for the team. So I, I would say shade him higher than Hoaglander in terms of fit for the team. But there's a lot of potential there, obviously, in Niels Hoaglander and his game. As far as potential trade asset, I do think that you should consider Put Colson as part of a potential trade, right? Like not to say they're shopping him or they're trying to move him at all, but. I don't think he's a type of player or prospect, as much as I like him, and, and I'm very high on Put Colson, that you look at and say he's untouchable. Especially now that they've added a bit more to their prospect pool. Yeah. I just wonder how valuable he is right now, given where this season went. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, but I do think like he's the type of guy, he's young enough and he's showed enough in his first year, and he's got some size, he's got a lot of you know traits in his game that teams like. And if he does put it together, he, he has a rare... Like, what do we talk about? Power forwards, right? Power yeah. wingers. Like, he can be that type of player. He's got a heavy shot. He can be relentless on the puck. He's a smart player. Like, if it comes together for him, it can be pretty tantalizing. So I'd say his trade value is actually higher than Put Colson's, I'd say. Like, I think teams look at him and say, he's going to be an NHL player for us. It's just a matter of how high is that ceiling. Well, you can see it right now, almost with Hoaglander. Like, he's already an NHL talent, just playing in the AHL, he needed to rediscover his game to some extent. 
And now that that's happened, you're seeing the best of him at the AHL level. And I do think it will translate back to the NHL level at some point. It's just, I don't know. I don't know where the fit is on this roster right now for Nils Hoaglander. Um, he's got to be really strong. Do you see the fit if they trade Garland? It would be easier to see the fit and a much cheaper I, fit than this, Connor this Garland. Is, this is what we go back to, right? I think they're very similar in terms of they can be play drivers on the wing. They can really help you out in that regard. They have some issues defensively. They have some issues, obviously, with some of the things they can do. Neither is a great goal scorer, for instance, although Garland has shown more of a capability of that. But you're still paying $5 million for a guy on the wing to do that. You'd yeah. much rather have Hoaglander give you, say, 70% of what Garland gives you at you know, a million dollars or just under. And that's kind of what you need to see. And I think if that spot opens up, then I can see Niels Hoaglander on the roster to begin the season in a role that could be suitable for him. What I do like about Hoaglander is he can be a little bit more physical than Garland just because, like, he's, uh, I don't know, I guess lower center of gravity. <laughs> he's got more in his trunk, you know? Like, he's he's got... He's got some power yes. to his lower body, whereas Garland is a little bit more slight as a player and has to be very shifty and, uh, you know, has to really glance off of checks and things like that in order to have success. He's very, very shifty in, in the way that he wins puck battles, whereas I think Hoaglander can actually get into the boards with some players because... He's just a he's a more filled out, more, a thicker player than than Connor Garland is. If Jay, that makes any sense, it does. Yes, it does. Jay has a question: of Do you think higher seed teams should have the option to open up on the road in the playoffs? And I'm going to assume that what Jay means is two games on the road, maybe three games at home, and then one one. We're going to assume that. Yeah. So you, you maintain home ice, home court advantage. I think it's uh, fine the way that it is. and I, We don't need to overthink it. No, I I mean, I, I think it's an interesting proposal. It's like that that's what happened. I mean, the NBA doesn't quite do it that way, but there's, there's a 2-3-1 uh, or 2-3-2 two, two, yeah. uh, way of doing it where you start off with two at home, then the away team gets three in a row, and then you have two at home for six and seven potentially, right? And I think they like did that more for the NBA got rid of that. Yeah, they yes, did that they more did. for travel expenses than they did for yeah. any yeah. team sort of <laughs> advantage. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if that gives you an advantage either way. I, I agree. I think it's overthinking it. As long you just want to have the extra home date, and you want to make sure that you have Game Seven on home ice. Yeah, I think that's what you want. Absolutely. And I, like, if you go two three two, I don't think that's. I think it's a benefit like, to the road team. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's you, like you win. When you win one. Of, yeah. You win one of those first two. It's like all right. <laughs> win three at home. We're done. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Don't fix it if it's not broke. I I like that. Okay. To basketball from basketball Phil, Udoka Stackhouse or someone else for the next head coaching job in Toronto amidst Nick Nurse getting fired oh. this morning. Ooh. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> Wojbaum said it was Yudoka who was heavily considered, possibly favored. I'd say Yudoka would be the Ujiri move because the only reason he's, he's available is because of everything that happened uh, in Boston for him to become available. And there comes, you know, obviously a little bit of 
baggage with all that. But he's clearly the highest upside coach you can, you can possibly find in the NBA right now. And why wouldn't you take that chance when you can, especially if you're Toronto? I think he's also proven he's can coach a very defensively yes. capable team. Yeah. And that's what Masai kind of wants to see from the roster that he's built. It makes uh, it makes a lot of sense, and that's uh, where the smart money is going right now. I actually liked what Stephen A. said today. Um, he shouted out, Sat, you might not like this, uh, Lakers assistant coach Phil Handy, who was an assistant for the Raptors in 2019 as well when they won the when they won the championship. Uh-huh. Guy basically wins everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That he goes. Uh so not not a bad shout there from Stephen A, but um Udoka does seem to be the very uh the, the favorite, the early favorite. Although as as a as somebody who grew up watching Jerry Stackhouse play, it would be fun to see him behind the bench of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, did coach uh, is he still coaching the G League there? I know he was for a while uh, in Toronto, but he's put in a lot of work. Like yeah. the thing you hear about Jerry Stackhouse is uh, how driven he is to be a great coach, and the amount of work he's put in, and how willing he is to do what what it takes to be a good coach. And I think when you're when you were a great player like he was, and you have that type of mentality and desire, uh, it can lead to very good things. Producer been- Elon just let me know that Jerry Stackhouse is coaching at Vanderbilt. Yeah, he's at Vanderbilt. Vandy the last few Vandy. years. We're going to move away from sports for the next I think they won a G League championship with uh, Stackhouse. I think I might, they yeah. So, uh, so he can win. He's put in the work, as you guys mentioned. Moving away from sports, somebody named Cam, who we all <laughs> may or may not know, mm. would like to know if you prefer orange juice with or without pulp. I'm a with pulp guy. It just seems with more natural. With pulp? Same well, side. Like for pulp. sure pulp. Yeah. For sure pulp. Why? Yeah. Because that's, I mean, it's just orange juice. It's like an that's actual I, orange juice. Yeah, it's actual oranges. And, you know, there's a little bit of orange pulp in your orange juice. It's beautiful. Um, you know, it's more natural. I, I feel yeah. like it's more natural that way. I feel like it's not like added sugar or anything. I don't know if I trust it when it says no added sugar. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm more of a no pulp guy. For a cocktail, a mimosa? Yeah. There, yes. can't, there cannot be pulp. No. That's, no, no. Uh, that's... that's a great point. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've just always been an old pulp guy. I don't really do orange juice that often anymore. If I do, it's probably like the way too expensive, like fresh bottle from Whole Foods or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like orange juice is just, I just find it has to be completely fresh squeezed. And yeah. usually like a fresh squeezed orange juice is just like five or six bucks. It's like... I don't know. Like I, I don't ever feel like I, I need orange juice that badly. There's just some <laughs> you know mornings, I mean? though, when yeah. you're making a nice breakfast and a great, like, just huge glass of ultra-cold orange juice does without feel pulp. great. Without pulp, yes. <laughs> Is the best. It's good. Next to your pair. Spro. <laughs> I never did the – actually, I did do it. Uh, the – throw espresso in your in your orange juice challenge that was going around TikTok a bit. No. People were like, this is great. And I'm like, no, it's not. And when I tried <laughs> it, it was, it was it was not. It was not very Guess good. Guess what? We tried Tur- it. It was turns out they're both just better the way they are. You know? yeah, how about you don't mix orange juice and coffee? <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> All right, next. Discount Dracula. Name a band or an artist that applies to the guilty pleasure category for you. Like oh. you get, you're driving in your car, and you're picking up someone, you're listening to a song, and you're like, I'm picking up somebody, I gotta change the song. Oh man. Oh, guilty. Pleasure. I can't be seen listening to this. Uh, I'd say, I mean, Justin Bieber. 
Everybody likes the Beebs, though. Yeah, I like Beaver. Is that is that a guilty pleasure? Um, I say the Beebs sure. is not a guilty pleasure. I feel pleasure. like that's if I, someone's listening to Justin Bieber, I'm like, okay, he's pretty talented. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, I think the I mean, Beebs is all right. I don't know. Does country music count? I'm gonna. Count I know. It, I know. Everybody is not like a country person, and lately I've just been. I've been really into country. I'll count it. So like, uh, give me. A, Morgan Whalen is more of like mainstream uh, country nowadays, but I'm a big Morgan Whalen guy now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess like '80s music, but that's not a really guilty pleasure. Oh, I know. sat throwing down with some hair metal. I love to see it. <laughs> yeah, man. no, I mean, um, but yeah, I, I'd say it's hard for me to. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I listen. Like, I don't. I'm not. I don't listen to Taylor Swift or anything. Like, I'm not big into. Sat's um, not a Swifty. No, not really. I mean, not that she does doesn't have any good songs or anything, but I can't really tell you a name of a single song, though, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like Ace of Base, maybe going back. <laughs> I'm a pretty big <laughs> Katy Perry fan. But she has some really good, some really good tunes. But you can't be picking up someone and you know, blasting California Girls by Katy Perry. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm showing my Woodbridge with this one, uh, but Stevie B. It's got some oh, yeah, some big time throwdown tracks from back in the that's day. That's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> that one's a little out of left field, though. Yeah, maybe some All Spice right. Girls going back. Spice Girls. Yeah. Man, they had some some real Bangers, great tracks. Man. Yeah. Uh, o Town. Give me a little bit of O Town back in the day. I'd be I'd be in for it. Reach. We're getting called out for Morgan Wallen pronunciation. Oh, here we I, go. I think it's Wallen. Is it Wallen? <laughs> it's Morgan Wallen. I don't know. He's got good tracks. I don't know what he's. I guess it, <laughs> over I only do Italian. I, knew, I, knew I only do Italian pronunciation. I knew the texture okay? to come in. I was just waiting for it. <laughs> oh man, you're getting crushed, Morgan Wallen. All right, now I know. Okay, you learn something new every day. Shouts <laughs> to the texters. Thank you, texters. Uh, that's it for the mailbag here on Canuck Central. Uh, coming back, we'll do some live look-ins here on Sportsnet 650.